Welcome back to Sashimi. In the last episode of this season, I spoke with Dave Salvant, co-founder and president of Squire Technologies, a provider of all-in-one barbershop management platform. We discussed Squire's product, the history of the company, how Squire successfully navigated through the early days of COVID, and the role institutional and celebrity angel investors play in the company. But first, let me tell you about the sponsor of this season, Celigo. Celigo is a leading enterprise-wide integration platform as a service for mid-market companies. Named the G2 Best Software for 2021, Celigo enables breakaway growth, controlled cost management, and superior customer experiences by ensuring that every process at any level of the organization can be automated in the most optimal way. For more information, visit Celigo.com or just click the link in the description. And now back to my interview with Dave Salvant. Oh, Dave, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. Maybe you'd start with uh, introducing yourself and Squire. So my name is Dave Salvin. I'm the founder of uh, Squire Technologies. Squire is an all-inclusive product for barbershops, doing everything from online booking, online booking to payroll, to payment processing, to you know loans, you name it, all predicated on, on a barbershop space. Loans as well? Yes, loans as well, yep. How does that work? Well, basically, it's it's more so a payment factoring. So, what we do is, you know, we advance money against future earnings, and basically, we get repaid back by their future revenue. So, think of us like, you know, just advancing on money they're going to earn in the future. Is it fair for me to think of Squire as a open table for barbershops? It's funny when we first. You know, launch a company, we used to say we're open table for barbershops. But now the product has evolved into so much more. In a sense, we're like the operating system of these small businesses. So we do everything for the owner, operator, uh, except cut cut here. Uh, we leave that <laughs> to the, the guys who can do it. Take me back to the beginning. How did you guys decide to start it? Well, well Squire was brought out of necessity for my co-founder and I. Uh, every few weeks, we had to get a haircut. And the process hadn't changed since we were young kids. You know, still call and text your barber, go to a barbershop, sit down for hours and wait, bring cash, pay, and go on with your day. Now, this is 2015. You know, ride share is abundant. You know, you can book a restaurant for your mobile device. You can order groceries uh, to your door. Why can't you do something to improve your experience at the barbershop? So we decided to, you know, create something for us. And and we thought the problem was, you know, our problem. But we realized a lot of guys around the city and the country also experienced this problem of, you know, trying to get a haircut. Um, getting a haircut is one thing that you feel uh, you hate the process, but you feel amazing after. And we want the process to be just as good as the experience. So that's why we created it to solve for our own use case of, of getting a haircut every couple of weeks. Did you found some uh, programmers or your programmers or your, yourself? No, no. Early on, we contracted out. We, we had an original, you know, a third co-founder who left the company, you know, two, two years after we started, uh, who helped build an initial MVP. So we, we were able to get off the ground and get, and get it done. And then uh, you have your MVP. Do you go from barber to barber telling them about the product and how much they can benefit from it how does it work back to the original uh, starting story we created a you know product for our use case of getting a haircut but we also realized through the process that 
you know, the real opportunity was on the business to business side. So oftentimes these owners were cobbling together several different pieces of software and trying to solve their use case. They use one piece of software for payments, another piece of software for online booking, another piece of software for CRM management, then like five, six different softwares. And these are small business owners. So, you know, I think we discovered that simplicity is the best process here. So if you make your product simple, you give them an offering, and that this does solves every one of the use cases, there's going to be a massive opportunity for these guys to become more efficient and focus on what they need to focus on. So we realized through the process of trying to find or try to improve our value prop, our you know experience, that you know we can also improve the lives of these business owners on the back end. So I'm assuming this is for obviously for standalone barbershops, right? There are probably many thousands of those around the country. 144,000. <laughs> Wonder how you know. How many of them know about you? Uh, uh, we only have about you know 4,000 customers, so we got you got a ways to ways to go. That's great. Obviously, you probably started going from one barbershop to another, but how did you scale that? First of all, when we first started, it was me and my co-founder going hand-to-hand, going barbershop to barbershop, going trade show to trade show. You know, real hand-to-hand combat, more or less. You know, you just want to take, take them down one at a time. And then we, we raised some institutional capital and we were able to build out a sales team. And the sales team is a traditional go-to-market, you know, sales team. You have your SDRs, you have your account managers, you have your, you know, your directors, and then you have your VP of sales who kind of overlooks it all. And then on the operations side, you have your customer success managers that kind of just upsell and, and educate the customer on new products and new services that we offer. So it's a tr- traditional go-to-market um, sales motion perfected by by the likes of Toast, Service Titan, you name it, who sell into the small business uh, space. Is it inside or outside sales primarily? It's inside uh, 100%. And your uh, customer success, you mentioned, obviously they upsell different modules, and the modules are payments probably, right? What are, what are those? The modules are a few things. So we have a Squire Commander, which is kind of like the brain of a product. You know, that's like the scheduling point of sale uh, type of deal. Uh, above that, you know, we have three packages that you can get. The Squire Executive, which is kind of like $100. The the, the middle package, which is $150. And the Titan package is $250. Uh, and each of those packages come with a different set of features. The Titan package, you can create a, a custom you know, feel so your 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 product looks very nascent to like your website and it, it's a real slick. There's no Squire branding. That's our custom, you know, Titan package. You get a custom mobile app um, application with your barbershop local that you can go, you know, have your customers download and they can see your brand and what have you. That's our top tier. Then our middle tier is kind of like everything but the Titan custom app. And then our basic tier is, you know, have a wait list, you know, have some of the features that are in the executive package. So, you know, we have three packages and based on, you know, your needs and your, your wants, you can have either one. But uh, what's most important is we really take a consultative approach to our clients. So we want to help these guys be better 
pillars in the community. We want to help these guys spend more time with their family. And we believe we have the best solution through technology that allows people to, you know, free up their time. So, you know, that's kind of how, how we work. With inside sales, you're probably very much focused on marketing, right? What are some marketing campaigns? Actually, not marketing campaigns. What are the primary focus of your marketing? So marketing is driving awareness. So we, we spend a lot of time on, you know, events. We're going to where these guys, uh, people are. We're, we just hired a, you know, great CMO who's really revamping our marketing department. Uh, we had no marketing a leader uh, in the history of the company. It was basically... You know, Solomon and I, my co-founder, um, leading the marketing efforts. But now we hired a rock star CMO whose job is just doing that to, you know, figure out where we need to put money at, figure out how to, our digital strategy, our product marketing strategy. Before her, uh, it's just been this grind, you know, just, just brute force uh, with no strategy. But now we're putting in a strategy. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get that done. How big is the company in terms of uh, number of people? Uh, we're about 250 now. All over the country? All over the world. So wow. we were always a semi-remote company, but, you know, COVID really accelerated that to be like a remote first company. Um, so we don't care, you know, where people live as long as they, you know, show up one time and get their work done and, and come to office events once in a while. You know, we believe talent is everywhere. Opportunity is not. So we want to give people the opportunity to, you know, excel and work hard and do their best work. How did you guys navigate through COVID? Because immediate thought is like COVID affected barbershops that closed. I think most barbershops were shut down for about 60 days from March, you know, mid-March to like beginning of June, end of May. And, you know, we, 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 we've seen, you know, a few things happen. We built products and services during that time to make sure our customers open safely and make sure they were protected. So when we launched in about, you know, eight weeks, five or six products. Uh, the first one was uh, virtual waiting room. So you didn't have to, you know, wait in the barbershop. The barber could text you when your appointment was ready, you jump in the shop. So that allowed for social distancing and that um, didn't allow folks to queue up in the barbershop. That was number one. We partnered with Golden Sachs to uh, issue PV with P loans because we can underwrite the barbershops better because we had all the all the data. So we got money into the hands of the pockets, into the pockets of people who need them. Uh, and that was great important. Number three is we created a contactless payment form. So basically the contactless payment was now you can pay before you come into your appointment. So it'll send you a text message so you don't have to stop at the front desk anymore. Number four, we created a, a waiver that uh, well made people certify that they haven't been in contact with anyone COVID for the last, you know, 15 or so days. They haven't traveled anything. You know, basically certifying that people were COVID-free. And the fifth our final one, we created a gift card program um, that allowed people to donate proceeds and money to their actual barbershop. But we went further and we did it to the barber level. So not only could you donate to the to the um, barber shop, but the individual barber that cuts your hair was getting paid as well. So you can direct funds to them. So it was more true form and a in a, in a better way to give them, put in hands, put in money in the people who, with, with the people who need it. 
So uh, that's kind of what we did out of COVID in eight weeks. Your product managers are very efficient, I have to say. That was very smart. How did you guys come up with that? Do you talk to your clients and ask them what they want, or you just got in the room and thought, what can we change in this environment? During that time, it was a mad dash. You know, if I can go back two years and I can say, hey, you know, survival, it was a mad dash. It was like, this is your instinct. Um, this is what we need to do. This is the mission. The mission is to survive and help our customer at all costs. You know, that's what we did. And our customers responded. They were happy. They felt, I, I feel, you know, I could be wrong. I feel they felt that somebody had their back finally. That's important, you know. And uh, we were able to use that momentum to acquire more customers and, and, and establish more goodwill within the industry. And that kind of helped us uh, going forward. Those loans that you said uh, you provide to the barbershops, I'm guessing they're not on your books. It's Goldman Sachs is taking care of it, right? Exactly. Got it. Let's talk about investors a little bit. Who was your first investor? Institutional investor, first money in ever. It's, it's a two different. Two let's different. let's discuss both. So, so our first investors were a group of a contingent. First of all, family and friends, uh, but a contingent of, of folks from WeWork. We used to work at a WeWork in Manhattan, two 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 Broadway, and then one fifteen West Eighteenth Street, which is the headquarters. And you know we were we were very close with some of the founding members of them, and they end up putting uh, together a small round of about three hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars, and that was able to catapult us, you know, forward, you know, hire some people, and then um, we were able to, you know, raise some money from some angels, Blake Channeling, Channeling, which is now the president of, of, I think, the CEO, president of U.S. TikTok. So he was a early investor there. And then we got into YC, and then we just, you know, were able to raise some more capital. Uh, but we didn't get our first institutional until 2019. So in 2019, we got Trinity Ventures to lead our Series A. 2019, December, we got CRV to lead, lead our, our Series B. 2020, we got uh, Iconic to lead our Series C. In 2021, July, we got Trin uh, Tiger to lead, lead our Series D. So in about, I would say in about 12 months there from 20 to 21, we probably raised about 18 months. We probably raised the B, C, and D. 24 months, we raised A, B, C, D. Uh, I think I've read somewhere. You raised more than 150 million, right? Something like that. Yeah, 150 million. We have the majority of that we still have in the, in the, in the bank right now. So, you know, we're just, we're just, Trucking along. Like when you think back, right, there are two of you with this idea and suddenly you guys sitting with uh, with the most famous institutional investors on the $150 million in cash. I mean, I mean, it's all about execution, man. Like, with great, you know, rewards come great responsibilities. And I, I feel like sometimes it's surreal because you're just in it. And when you're in it, you don't see it. And until everybody else says, you know, something to it, and then you're like, oh, shit, you know, I really... I really did this, but this is really happening. When you're in it, you're in it. You know, it doesn't really seem like a big deal. I was looking at the list of investors on uh, online, and besides the institutional investors and some angels that you mentioned, there are some other angel investors who listeners would recognize. It's Quincy Jones, Steve Curry, Trevor Noah, Farrell Williams. I mean, I think celebrities are great. You know, I think they're great, but if I'm being honest with you, I think their names 
to get your consumers excited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not going to be out there selling customers or they're not going to be out there, you know, closing deals for you. But it's great to have, you know, those guys that bring the star power to your brand, the star power to your company to kind of raise the profile of your company. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, money is money, you know. Do you call them sometimes saying like, hey, what's up? I mean, I, 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 we have a real close relationship with the San Francisco 49ers organization, mm-hmm. Jed York uh, over yeah. there and, and, and Bruno, uh, the chief investment officer. But, you know, I think I think that those guys really help out. We have some initiatives running in the background that we're trying to get off with those guys. But, you know, it's just people on a cap table, you know. Yeah. So, so, you know, it helps out with branding, with hiring and attracting new employees. But I don't think on a grand scheme of things, it makes a big deal. When it comes to institutional investors who are very experienced, obviously, how involved are they day to day? Institutionals, you know, it's your company, you know, that's what they always say. And it is true. I mean, they provide guidance to ones on the board, Trinity, uh, CRV, and Iconic. We have board meetings and we, we ask them questions about things we have an issues with and we deliberate as, as a board. But, you know, they're investors. So their, their economic interests are aligned with your interests. And, you know, if, if you do well, everybody wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we focus on. So where you guys sit today, when you look at uh, Square Technologies, what's your long-term vision for the company? Uh, long-term vision is just to keep executing. I think to keep executing, focus on building the best product, focus on service, servicing our, our customers, focusing on being a, a lighthouse in the community for, you know, folks of color. And, you know, just try to, you know, be the best product, build the best product and have the best customer service you can possibly have. Of course, you want to exit. Of course, you want a successful outcome. But, you know, I think what the first thing to do is focus on, be relentless about the customer. Just be relentless about how you treat your customers, relentless about building the best product for your customers. And everything else will come if you, if you do that. Well, Dave, thanks very much for being on the podcast. It was great.